morning. Thank you, Brother Wes. And church family, what an exciting day it is any time that we celebrate baptism together. Amen? We're delighted that some of Andrew's family are here with him, and we welcome you as guests. We're grateful. What a great opportunity. Can I just take a, a quick word of, of a point of personal privilege and say thank you? We, as a staff, have been absolutely overwhelmed with cards and letters and texts and just encouragement this month. You have blessed us, and it is a, it truly has been a love affair for these four years of pastor and people, of shepherd and flock. And, and I just I love being here. I love pastoring you. I love serving with you. Uh, we have laughed together, we have cried together, we have grieved together, we've been to hospitals together and mission trips together, we've been to gravesides together. And it is a joy to pray for you on a daily basis and to pastor you. I'm truly grateful. I, I do want to speak to uh, something just a moment. Many of you have gotten the, the word and the news about Miss Ruby Dillon. She went home to be with the Lord this weekend, uh, less than a week after Mr. James Dillon had gone home. I can't imagine a a, a more incredible thing than to be able to reunite in the presence of Jesus together after all of those decades of married life here on earth and we want to pray for that family many of them are here I also want to mention that the the visitation is tonight at 5 the the funeral service is tomorrow at 2 p.m. so that means that we will end up I, I believe they're working on a family meal but we will not have our game day most of the time our senior adults have game day following and I just certainly wanted to just make that announcement clear that uh, we'll postpone that till next month I also want to say I was overwhelmed that the box says that you bless our socks off and it's a box full of socks there there's a, a pair of socks in there with my dog's face on it I'm pretty impressed with those I'll be glad to wear those there are socks in there that acknowledge my coffee addiction I'm grateful for those and yet as I was listening to Dewana play a song about glorifying the Lord I, I saw a pair of socks that I knew had to come from my associate pastor Joe Gunter from the University of Tennessee and I, I uh, appreciate our staff so very much and their thoughtfulness and and uh, sometimes when we speak somebody else's love language we try to determine what they want to receive brother Joe and so if you want to wear these I'll loan them to you and you can wear them I invite your attention to John chapter 2 with me for a moment John chapter 2 and we're going to look at an incredible story. This is the very first recorded miracle of our Lord. You know, we live in a, a while you're turning there to John 2, I'll just set it up. We live in a world filled with pictures. With the advent of a camera placed on a telephone, they're everywhere. It, it seems like not one moment in life goes unrecorded at times. We take pictures of all kinds of events that happen in our lives. In fact, it's kind of interesting that even this morning as we gather here for worship, we can see pictures from Lisbon, uh, Portugal. That's pretty amazing to me that we can see Scott Alexander in almost real time. Just a, a couple of hours ago, he's texting me of a worship service that's happening on the other side of the globe. But as you think about that, snapshots are not always that flattering. When we take a snapshot, it's not always our very best side. And sometimes people go to great lengths to make sure that if they're going to take a selfie, that they get their exact best side. And they take them over and over again to get just the right picture. What I want us to do today, though, is to get some snapshots of our Savior. And over the next couple of weeks... We as a church family have been walking chronologically all the way through Scripture. We started back in January on this journey together. 
And now we've come to the Gospels, and as we see the life of Jesus, I want us to see maybe some things that we've perhaps not noticed about Him before. I want you, fresh and new, to take a look at the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see snapshots from these earliest miracles on. So as we pass through the Gospels, I want us to get these snapshots and to learn some things about Jesus from these texts. In John chapter 2, we see a, a remarkable miracle, his very first recorded. And that miracle inspired me to, to call this message, to entitle this message, Seeing, Believing, and Receiving. And I want to set up the context. So on the third day of John uh, recording Jesus' ministry, his third day of ministry, he's at a wedding in Cana. And it's in John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, that we see that. We don't know the name of the bride and the groom. We didn't get an invitation. We don't know who they are. But Jesus was invited to this wedding. It says so right in the text. In, in verse 2, it says, Jesus and his disciples were invited to this wedding. So let's read this together, beginning in verse 1. It'll be on the screen as well. If you have a copy of God's Word, we'll read this together. Focus now, if you will, on the Word of God. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine, ran, uh, the wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I want us to pray, and then I, I want us to ask God to give understanding and clarity to this miraculous sign, and I pray that we would get a fresh snapshot of the Savior. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. In these moments, would you speak to us now through your word. Clearly illuminate to us through the work of your spirit the message of this miracle and help us to see Jesus fresh and new. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, here's the setting uh, that we would see Jesus fresh and new. The presence of Jesus at a wedding ought to be for us pretty significant. Think about this with me. Marriage is an incredible gift, a wonderful gift given by God. A man and a woman can serve Christ together as one. It's an ultimate display of the gospel, of covenant relationship. And as they come together, it's striking to me that it is a wedding that is the occasion of the very first miracle of Jesus. In his public ministry, very first week, very first miracle. The first miracle, interesting for you to note, I want you to see something. The very first miracle of Moses was that he turned water into what? 
into blood there as the plagues happen. And it was a sign of God's judgment. But when Jesus turns water into wine, it is a sign of God's blessing. That just is interesting to me. Jesus would be this promised deliverer. He would be the anointed Messiah. And as we consider this, it is a good thing for Jesus to be invited into a marriage. Would you agree with that statement? I would. I think it's incredibly good that he would be invited. And here we see an invitation. Let me speak to students for a moment. If you're dating or you're considering dating or if you're hoping one day to get a date, I think you should ask yourself this question. Can Jesus Christ be in the center of this love? You know, we often told our daughters that you don't date for any other purpose but to consider marriage. And you ought not date anybody you wouldn't consider marrying. Some of you are looking back and saying, boy, I'm glad somebody didn't give me that advice because I brought home a few that I may not have considered for marriage. If you are considering marrying and choosing who you'll marry, you need to ask this question. And I'll speak this to some of our college students and some of our young professionals. Will Jesus Christ be at the center of this marriage? Let me say to all of you that are married, if you say we must put our marriage first, then you run a great danger of making an idol out of your marriage. What you need to say is this, that Jesus Christ must be first in our marriage. I would say anything you put in place of Christ will not be blessed. Anything. So let's be sure that he's not only invited to the marriage, but the marriage is offered to him and that he rules over it in his sovereignty. This is where his blessing is found. Now, two observations very quickly about this wedding and about the fact that Jesus was invited there. Number one, I want you to see that a marriage where Jesus is present can run into trouble. A marriage where Jesus is present can still run into trouble. Look at verse 3. It says very simply, something has happened. What did they run out of? Wine. It says the wine ran out. Here's this wonderful wedding. All of the plans have been made. All of the occasion is beautiful. I imagine that they are adorned in wonderful wedding attire. Uh, You remember that these are extended uh, gatherings of celebration. It may be even at that time for a week or more that they uh, they would celebrate, but then their wine runs out. And Jesus describes what John, or John, excuse me, describes what Jesus does as a sign. So there's something deeper going on here. There's something that you and I need to recognize here. A sign points to something beyond itself. So surely here we're going to see something familiar to all of us, especially in light of marriage. I would believe that there are probably people in this room whose marriage started out and for some time now the the wine of your marriage, the wine of your love and your joy that once flowed freely has started to tap out. Maybe it's running out today. Maybe what once brought you joy and gladness seems to no longer be present and you find yourself in a marriage where perhaps you're just not much more than cohabitating. You're roommates together. Right now it may be that there are a few people in here They would say that and nobody else knows it. On the outside, everything looks fine, but you know it and your spouse knows it. And and maybe even you've never even talked about it, but they know it. And maybe those that are closest to you know something about it. They know something is not right, but behind the scenes, there's a problem. And you don't know what to do about it. It's kind of interesting that even in this story, much of what is happening is happening behind the scenes. The guests did not yet know this. It's not 
all going on. And, and you find yourself saying, but, but pastor, we're Christians. It's not supposed to be like that. How can it be? We invited Jesus into this marriage. We've made Christ Lord in our home. How can the wine of love and joy be running out for us? I want you to see this, and you may want to make note of it. I'll put it on the screen. Being a Christian does not insulate you from the realities of the life that we live in this world. And this story reminds us very pointedly that a marriage can still be in trouble when Jesus is present. That's kind of a daunting statement. But being a Christian does not insulate you from the pains of this world. In some respect, I'm thankful that that's the case, and here's why. If everything was supposed to be perfect, and I put my faith in my circumstance and not in my Savior, when circumstances were less than perfect, my faith would waver. But it's knowing that through the pains of this life, it, whether in a marriage relationship or any other avenue of life, that Jesus is still present, then I begin to understand that hope in Him is not based on my circumstance. In fact, that leads me to my second conclusion. I want you to make sure you write this one down. If I left you hanging here, we'd all be pretty disappointed and depressed. But secondly, I want you to see this. A marriage can run into trouble, but where Christ is present, there is, say it with me, hope. Say it again, hope. Say it one more time, hope. Hope is one of the most powerful expressions and emotions and places that we can experience in our lives. And in Christ Jesus, hope springs eternal. There is always hope in Jesus. And surely, this is the main point of this whole story, not just about marriage. I use that as an application because we're at the occasion of a wedding. But think about this. Christ turns water into wine, and this is a sign of what he came into this world to do. Who he is and what he does. He comes into a world where things are not as they are supposed to be. He comes into a broken world where things are not going as planned. Here he is at this wedding, and it's all been organized and planned and prepared for, and yet they're not going as planned because the wine runs out. And Jesus is able to bring gladness and joy into a difficult and heartfelt situation where the joy we once knew was running out, Jesus can replenish it in your life and in mine. Now, the obvious question for all of us today is, how did this happen? But even more than that, how can this gift of joy restored and blessing renewed happen for people like us? When the wine has run out. I want to offer to you this morning three answers. They come flowing directly out of this text. And this is critical for every person here. I want you to hear this. This is not a message about weddings. It's a message about hope. And it's a message about Christ. Three words. Ask, trust, and look. Let's walk through them slowly. Number one. Ask Jesus and submit to his purpose. Ask Jesus and submit to his purpose. When things aren't in your life as they ought to be, when you find yourself broken, dejected, discouraged, in fear and anxiety, when you find yourself in a world where things are not going as planned, how do you approach that? Here's what I would say. Ask Jesus and submit to his purpose. Think with me for a moment about the prominence of Mary in this story. Look back to the text, verse 1. The mother of Jesus was there. Verse 3, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. 
Verse 4, Jesus said to her. He began speaking to her. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. We're looking at a marvelous example in Mary, the mother of our Lord, who is featured prominently in this story, and she's praying, in essence, talking to God, is, is praying. So when there's a problem, she immediately turns to Jesus. I want you to write this down somewhere. Prayer involves asking help from Jesus. Prayer involves asking help from Jesus. When you're at your wit's end, when you are discouraged and disillusioned, why don't you take the example that we have here from Mary, this model that we can follow and recognize like she did. See, what did Mary do? Mary recognized that there was a problem. And when she recognized there was a problem, she brings it to Jesus. She says, they have no wine. She sees the need and she comes to him. What a marvelous example. What do you do when you have a need in your life? Do you bring it to Jesus? Or do you try to figure it out? Do you not try to work it out? Do you try to net, network your way out of it? Do you try to, to resource your way out of it? Do you try to stick your head in the sand and ignore your way out of it? Do you try to medicate yourself out of it? And, and that doesn't have to be through drugs. It can be through food or through entertainment. It can be through wasting time and life through social media. It can be through all manner of things. But what do you do when there's pain and difficulty in your life? Do you bring those things to Jesus? Mary did. John Bunyan said this so powerfully years ago. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you can't do more than pray until you've prayed. That would be a great, great thing to jot down in your heart and mind. If the wine has been running out on you, it would be a good thing on this very Lord's Day to say in your marriage, we cannot go on pretending that all is well when we know it's not. Or in your life, you have said, ultimately, I'm just, I'm run aground. I, I, I have hit the beachhead and I am stuck. I'm not getting traction. I'm not going anywhere. I need help. Recognize the need. Take it to Jesus. We must ask for help, and the very first one that you should call upon for that help is Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 4, Jesus gives her an interesting response. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. On seven different occasions, Jesus speaks of his hour in the book of John. What is he talking about? This special hour refers to a time where he would be subject to the will of others. There would come an hour when Jesus would be given over to the hands of sinners. And what would they do to him? They would scourge him and mock him and beat him and pluck out his beard. They would condemn him and ultimately crucify him. But he says that hour is not this hour. In modern language he said not today. He says, this is not the time for that. You need to understand that that time has not come. And there's a significant lesson for us in this. Mary is not in the position of bending Jesus Christ to her will. She may come and ask, but Christ is completely sovereign, and he is under no obligation to do what she asks. Indeed, he's under no obligation to do anything that any of us ask. That leads us to a place of understanding Mary's position in this story. Christ is the mediator between God the Father and us. Do you know that? Mary is not. 
she's exactly in the same position that we're in. She has the ear of Christ, but so do you, and so do I. She can submit herself to the will of Christ, and so must you and I. That prayer leads us to a unique second observation. I want you to see this. Not only does prayer involve going to God and taking things to Christ, prayer involves asking for help from Jesus and submitting yourself to his purpose. It involves submitting yourself to the purposes of Jesus. What a great and powerful word she gives to the servants. Do whatever he tells you to do. You know, I counsel a lot of people. I deal with marriages. We deal with addictions. We, we deal with and address all manner of issues from, from finances to, to other things that are going on in people's lives relationally. And oftentimes I find myself just saying what Mary has said. Do what he tells you to do. Go back and submit yourself to the Lord. And as you do, you see, none of us understand fully what God will use in our lives in advance for His greater purposes under great pressure and struggle and pain and difficulty. Be sure of this. Christ will use every circumstance of your life to advance His loving purpose for you. Some of you just dismiss some of the activities that have gone on in your life. You say, there's no way God can use No. What I said was Christ will use every circumstance of your life. That's true of every illness, every heartache, every loss, every disappointment. When the wine runs out, Christ will show his glory. I love that it says that. Christ now has revealed his glory. And as he did, it's not for you or for me or for Mary to tell him how to do it may be a bitter pill for some of us this morning to swallow, but it ought to bring us to the place that it brought the disciples. It said, as he revealed his glory for the first time, they believed in him. Some of you are living outside of faith. You have mental understanding of Jesus Christ. You know perhaps the story that he died on a cross for you, but you have never connected that personally to your own life and recognize that God is using all the circumstances of life, even grief and loss that you're facing today. He is using that to bring you toward himself and to accomplish his loving purposes for you. Prayer involves asking help from Jesus and then submitting yourself to Jesus. So here's how you pray when the wine's running out in your life. You ready? Tell Christ what is happening. Tell him that you need him and his help. And then ask him in advance, uh, excuse me, ask him to advance his great purpose in your life. Jesus, I'm in a mess. I need your help. Would you move in my life? You don't have the room or the right to tell him how to do it. Husbands, listen to me. You can't say to Jesus, the wine's running out. Lord, would you fix her? Wives, you can't say, the wine's running out. There's no joy. There's no love flowing through this relationship. Christ, would you fix him? That's not how you pray. You need to say this. You need to say, Lord, here is what we're facing. Here's the reality. And my desire, our desire should be that your glory would be revealed and your purpose fulfilled and we're ready for whatever it takes. What a marvelous thing it would be if couples would come to that place today. 
I pray that by the end of this service, there would be many who would say, you know what, the wine of joy, the wine of love, the wine of blessing has gone completely out of my life, and I'm longing for Jesus to do something. I am desperate for Him to touch me here today and to meet me at my point of need, and I don't know what He's going to do. I don't know how He'll do it, but I don't have the luxury of telling Him what to do. I just know I need His help. Anybody here today resonate with that? I did as I read this story. I began to ask him and submit to his purpose. And then you do this. Secondly, you trust Jesus. Put it on the screen. You trust Jesus and obey his commands. Can we go to that one on the screen? Trust Jesus and obey his commands. Now this is significant for all of us here today. Because some of you detach things. You say, I'm worried about this relationship or these finances, and you're telling me, Pastor, over and over again, I need to go witness to somebody, or I need to be connected in service. How does that even work? What Mary told the servants was, do whatever he tells you to do. So think about this with me. Notice their place in the story. Look at verse 7. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And then he said to them, now draw out and take it to the master of the feast. The obedience of the servants is clearly noticed here. Jesus said, fill the water parts and they filled the, the pots and they filled them to the brim. And when he said, take them to the master, what did they do? They took them to the master. Jesus could have easily turned the water into wine without no involvement from these people whatsoever. But he didn't. He chose to work through them. God works with people. He works as his people pray and as his people are actively involved in his service and in obedience to him. His blessings came to the wedding guests through the obedience of the servants and not without it. Jot down 1 Corinthians 3.9. Just write that address somewhere. God calls us there in the New Testament his fellow workers. God chooses to cooperate in and through our lives, and you may be the instrument of obedience that blesses someone else. The wine came to the guests through the obedience of the servants, and I want you to see this. Hardy Street Baptist Church, I have called you to be leaders among this movement of the Pine Belt and to come and pick these up. There's a hundred of them there. There's not probably close to a hundred families here. Pick one up per family. How many of you would take me at that word and say, yes, I will pray for my community? You see, we can and will be the instrument of God's blessing in this community. As we pray for it, as we submit to Him, and then God's going to open our eyes to needs all around us. We can't just say, well, I pray that the Hattiesburg area is doing fine. We need to roll our sleeves up and work. We need to share the gospel with people. We need to impact the schools. There's opportunities all around us. If you've been on any of our Wednesday night meetings lately, we've been casting vision for that. There's opportunity for us financially to invest in the schools, to put reading tutors in the schools. I said this a couple of weeks ago, and it shocked folks. Did you know that there's calculated possibility of looking forward into the future and determining how many prisons will be needed in America based on third grade reading level? And so we're trying to put interventionists into the schools that will help third graders learn to read. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if I can teach a child to read, then I can open up their world to the, the word of God. And you say, well, that's getting into social issues. No, I think that we need to 
impact culture. I don't think we need to huddle away and hide away till Jesus comes back. I think we are the ones that the Bible says about a prevailing church. The gates of hell cannot prevail. And it's not because of our prevailing. It's because of his prevailing. But he gave us no armor for our backside. We're not to retreat. We're to move forward with a shield of faith and with the word of God as a sword in our hand and move forward and take back ground the enemy has stolen. And my desire is that you and I would take the word of Mary just like these servants and we would do whatever Jesus said. Now, let me tie those things back together. You need to understand this. See, there are going to be times that you'll wonder, what good could it do to do those basic things that Jesus is calling me to do? When I'm worried about a relationship and and my pastors just tell me, get saturated in the word of God. You mean to tell me, pastor, that the key to getting my marriage back on track is to begin to read the word of God and pray? Yes. Why? Because God's told you to invest your life and your mind in his word and call to him and pray and he will answer. So if you think those things are disconnected, you're sadly mistaken. Today, some of you need to say, I will submit myself to the lordship of God and you'll begin to see the blessings flow back into your marriage, back into your home, back into your business. That's not a prosperity mindset. It's simply saying, if I will honor God with my life, God will choose in unique ways to move in my behalf. The gift of this new wine is given as the servants are obedient to all that Christ has called them to do. The Bible talks about the obedience of faith in Romans. It takes faith to step out in obedience, especially when you cannot see what Christ is calling you to in, in how it relates to what you've asked him to help you with in the first place, if that makes sense. Think for a moment with me about what these servants are asked to do. They are to fill these large pots of water in verse 6 and 7. The pots held 20 to 30 gallons of water perhaps, and so filling them could mean 120 to 180 gallons from the well. This was no small task, but they did it. And notice what Christ said next. He says in verse 8, draw out some and take it to the master. We're not told when the miracle happened. I, we don't know if when they filled them up it immediately became wine. What I speculate, if it's the latter, that it became wine as they drew it out. Then another extraordinary act of obedient faith on the part of the servants. Jesus, ain't nobody around here asking for water. We filled those pots with water. You told us to. She told us to listen to you. So we did. We drew 180 gallons of water, and now you're telling us to draw out of those same pots and take them to the master? What fools do you think we are? No, they trusted him. They continued to do. And when you cannot see what God is up to, you trust him by faith and move forward in obedience. And when you do, miracles happen. He will bless you, and he blessed them. And what an incredible thing as they're drawing it out, I imagine, in amazement. Something really amazing happens here from the story that they knew where the wine came from, but the owners of uh, the, the feast, the, the master of the feast didn't know. The bride and the groom didn't know, but these servants did. Learn from this story. Ask Jesus for help in the middle of your problems. Submit yourself to him. Obey his commandments. He'll work through your prayers and through your obedience to bring joy and blessing into your life and into the lives of others. Amen? It's pretty simple stuff, but it's right here in the text. 
Mary gives to us a marvelous example of prayer. The servants are a marvelous example of obedience. Ask him, submit to him, trust him, and obey. Number three, I want you to see this. Look to Jesus and discern his work. Look to Jesus and discern his work. Verse 11. This was the first of his signs. Jesus did it. Cana and Galilee, and manifested his glory. Jesus manifested his glory. I, I don't have time to go deep into this, but when we think about what is glory, holiness is an attribute of God, and glory is holiness on display. So if you think about the holiness of God, when he reveals it, that's glory. It emanates from him. And here it says he revealed it. Who did he reveal it to? Not to the dinner guests. Not to the wedding reception party, to the disciples and to the servants. Who saw it? Mary did, the servants did, the disciples did. But the emphasis of the story is not so much on the people who knew what Christ had done, but on the people who were completely unaware that the blessing had even happened. Look at verse 9. The master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from. As far as we know, the bride and groom had no clue either. The master of the feast has no idea where this good wine came, that it was a gift from Jesus Christ. So where does he give credit? He gives credit to the wrong place. He calls the bridegroom over and gives to him credit. I wonder how the bridegroom responded to that. It's not in our text. We don't know what's there. Did he take the credit? Did he go, well, you know, we, we just wanted everybody to be happy here. What would we do? Oftentimes we take the credit for things God does every single day in our lives. Most of the guests went home that day completely unaware of the glory of Jesus Christ. And it had been manifested back at work on Monday. Hey, how was the wedding? Oh, it was really, really nice. They had good food. There was lots of dancing. You should have seen how they were dressed. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. We, and they had the most amazing wine at the end. It was just remarkable. It was a great time. It, it was filled with all of these guests. And these people are absorbed in the joy of the wedding. And Christ remains in the background throughout the story. And all they see are servants hard at work serving marvelous wine. They enjoy the gift without ever acknowledging the giver. Let me say this, it is possible to enjoy good gifts from God and not yet have discovered where they came from. And many of you walked into this place today doing just that. His desire is to reveal his glory, but he revealed his glory to those who submitted themselves to him. Some of you have said, you know, pastor, I've worked hard for everything I've got. That may be true, but you're missing an element. You see, you didn't start from scratch. You're breathing God's air. You, you want to be a self-made man? You, you want to say, I don't need God for anything? Stop breathing his air. Just <gasps> see how that works out for you. God kept your heart beating. Everybody do something with me and for me. Everybody sit up straight. Everybody, sit up straight. There you go. Take in a big, deep breath. That was a gift from God. Blow it out. Take in another one. That was a gift from God. Blow it out. Take another one. 
That was a gift from God. You see, we take so for granted the fact that you've been breathing the whole time I've been preaching, and yet not one of you probably stopped and said, I'm drawing air into my lungs, and God's responsible. God gives, and he reveals his glory to those who would come to him. And so today, if you're living your life apart from Christ, recognize that this miracle is a sign pointing to you today. It's a miracle to show that where you are in your life, if the wine of joy and love and and even purpose has run out, or maybe you've never fully discovered that purpose, only in Christ will you find the glory of God. And the good news is this, and I said it about marriage, but I'll say it about life. In marriage, trouble will come. In life, trouble will come, comma. But where Christ is present, there is, you said it, hope. This morning, there's hope for eternal life in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for one who would submit himself to Christ and be baptized today. And there are many others in this place, perhaps, that have never done that. Today could be the day of your appointed homecoming. Will you trust Jesus Christ today? And let me speak to those of you that are believers. Those that saw the glory of God were the ones who submitted themselves to him in obedience. Maybe you're going through turmoil right now. Maybe you're struggling somewhere in your life. Ask Jesus for help. Turn to him and say, Lord, this is the reality of what I'm going through, and I need your help. Don't demand of him how he answers it. Submit yourself in obedience to what he's already told you to do, and watch him work in incredible, supernatural ways. I pray that that would be the case this morning. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask everybody to have their heads bowed and their eyes closed. Our instrumentalists are going to make their way forward. And let me give you instructions before I pray. At the end of my prayer, I'm going to invite you boldly to come to Jesus Christ. I'm simply going to ask you to step out from where you are and come here to the front. We have prayer partners, members of our staff that will meet you here. We call them encouragers. There there are other members of our church. They'll simply take God's word and show you how you can be saved, how you can have eternal life. And if that's the need of your life, then you come. If you're in the middle of some difficulty and you just simply want somebody to pray with you, they're here for that. And they would love to pray with you. They're not going to embarrass you in any way. They will discreetly and quietly pray with you and love on you and encourage you. That's what we want. Christ doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to help you. He won't ruin your life. He'll redeem it. He'll bring back the joy, the happiness, the purpose. Let's pray together and then you respond as we sing. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this clear word from your word that you are in the business of showing your glory in the places where people submit and surrender themselves to your will and obedience. Father, today, would you call out those that are lost? Would you save someone here this morning, Father? Would you call them into a place of life? Oh, God, give them the courage to trust you and step out. And I pray it in Jesus' name, move in our midst.